Hello everyone, this is Urvashi Chauhan. Welcome to Courts Today by Live Law, where we bring you the latest developments from all courts across India. Let us start. Let me start by briefing you about day six of the Constitution Bench hearing, a batch of petitions challenging abrogation of Article 370 of the Constitution, which revoked the special status granted to the state of Jammu and Kashmir. Senior Advocate Rajiv Dhawan, who is representing People's Conference, today argued before the bench, comprising CJI Chandrachud, Justice Sanjay Kishan Kaul, Justice Sanjeev Khanna, Justice B.R. Gawai, and Justice Surya Kant. He appraised the court that the internal sovereignty of Jammu and Kashmir was not revoked with the signing of the Instrument of Accession in 1947. He cautioned that the President does not exercise carte blanche powers, meaning unrestricted authority during the operation of the President's rule under Article 356 of the Constitution, and that restrictions must be imposed to curb its misuse. Mr. Dhawan also outlined various provisions of the Constitution that are special provisions to take into account the different realities of various states and said that Article 370 is one such provision and is also a part of the basic structure of the Constitution. Senior Advocate Dushin Dave also argued today and submitted that Article 370 is a temporary provision not due to the lapse of time, but because it has served its object and purpose and therefore cannot be amended anymore. He also said that yes, insurgency existed in the state, but there is insurgency in so many states in Northeast India as well. There was insurgency in Punjab for a long time. But based on that, if states were disintegrated into union territories, no state would be saved. The arguments will continue tomorrow. Stay tuned with us. You can also watch the live proceedings from the court on our YouTube channel. The second update is regarding the demolitions near Krishna Janamhumi. Last week, the government began a demolition drive in Uttar Pradesh's Mathura, reportedly raising around 135 houses in the Nai Basti. Nai Basti is a settlement along the railway track in the backyard of Krishna Janamhumi. These houses were marked as illegal encroachments on government land and a team from the railways along with the district administration and police conducted the exercise. The residents were given three days to move out with their belongings, during which they also approached a local court for a stay on the demolition drive. But due to the lawyer's strike in the state, the matter could not be finally decided. Therefore, the, one of the local residents has filed a writ petition under Article 32. Today, Senior Advocate Prashanto Chandrasen, appearing for the petitioner, argued that the petition would become infructuous if the demolition drive were to continue. He informed the court that the government had taken advantage of the fact that all courts in Uttar Pradesh were closed and had bulldozed over 100 houses. After the brief hearing, the Supreme Court bench of Justices Aniruddha Bose, Sanjay Kumar and SVN Bhatti, granting relief to the residents, issued notice and directed status quo to be maintained with respect to the demolition drive. The matter will now be listed next week. Stay tuned. While reading judgments or pleadings, we come across various words like referring to woman as concubine while she is in a relationship. Also, women have been called keeps in judgments where there were applications for quashing of FIRs under the Domestic Violence Act and Section 498A of the IPC.
Such words are part of gender stereotypes deeply ingrained in societies and cultures, thus shaping perceptions of masculinity and femininity. Chief Justice of India D.Y. Chandrachud today announced that the Supreme Court has prepared a handbook on combating gender stereotypes in order to identify and remove the use of words and phrases which are loaded with gender stereotypes in judgments and court language. The intention is not to criticize or cast doubts on judgments, but merely to show how stereotypes may be unwittingly employed. The handbook contains a glossary of gender unjust terms and suggests alternative words and phrases which may be used while drafting pleadings as well as orders and judgments. The handbook will be uploaded on the Supreme Court website shortly, but you can visit our website at livelaw.in to access it. In another update, the Centre has come out with a draft standard operating procedure with regard to the appearance of government officials before courts in litigation that involves the government. The SOP suggests that the presence of government officials should be required in courts only in exceptional cases and not as a regular practice. If officials are summoned by courts, advance notice must be given, allowing ample time for their appearance. Also, first option must be given to the officer to appear virtually. The SOP suggests that when quasi-judicial orders passed by officials are challenged in appeal, the court must only limit itself to determining the legality of the order and not scrutinize the facts further. In matters within the domain of the executive, the court should refer the matter to the government instead of taking it up and summoning the government officials. The Centre also suggests that judges should not adjudicate contempt proceedings relating to their own orders. According to the draft SOP, the aim is to create a more congenial and conducive environment between judiciary and government with a view to improve overall quality of compliance of judicial orders by the government, thereby minimizing scope for contempt of court. The Supreme Court today dismissed a public interest litigation that sought the setting up of a National Internal Security Council to deal with organized crime in the country. The relief sought for in the PIL included a direction to the center to set up national level agency to deal with crimes such as smuggling, large-scale political violence, narcotics insurgency, interstate trafficking, etc. The PIL sought for all national and state level investigation agencies to be brought under the control of such a body. And that once the council was set up, no legislative body or elected government would have any control over it other than formulating regulations and providing financial support. But the bench comprising CGI Chandrachur, Justice J.B. Pardewala and Justice Manoj Mishra dismissed the public interest litigation, stating that the reliefs sought were in the nature of policy and in the domain of the legislator and hence the rich jurisdiction of the court could not be exercised. The Madras High Court has quashed an FIR lodged against Lois Sophia, a research scholar from Canada who was arrested for raising slogans against the BJP government. In September 2018, Sophia was arrested after she shouted, Fascist BJP government down, on board a flight in the presence of former Tamil Nadu BJP president and current governor of Telangana and lieutenant governor of Puducherry T. Sandra Rajan. 
Based on Sandra Rajan's complaint, Sophia was charged under Section 505 and 290 of IPC for statements conducting to public mischief and for public nuisance. But now Justice P. Dhanapal of the Madurai bench has ordered quashing the proceedings against the research scholar. To read more about the case, you can visit our website at livelaw.in. In another update, the Karnataka High Court has refused to quash criminal proceedings initiated against three employees of Lifestyle International Private Limited, accused of teasing their colleague on his sexual orientation, which is alleged to have caused him to commit suicide. The deceased had previously registered a complaint with the Internal Complaints Committee constituted under the Posh Act, contending that he was harassed by the petitioners. He had even resigned from the organization, raising grounds of harassment. He committed suicide on 3rd June this year. Next day, father of the deceased lodged a complaint with the police. The moment the crime was registered, the petitioners approached the court, questioning the FIR. A single judge bench of Justice M. Nag Prasanna dismissed the petition, saying that the investigation was still in progress and that this was not a case where there was no prima facie material or that the allegations were made in thin air. The court further said that the deceased in this case was one belonging to the LGBTQ community. The sensitivity of them being excluded pervades their psyche. Therefore, such people must be treated with all love and affection and not point at the infirmity that they have no control of. And lastly, the Guwahati High Court, while rejecting a compromise settlement between the victim and the accused, has refused to quash criminal proceedings of a rape case where a man has been accused of raping his sister. Terming the offence as heinous, the bench of Justice Mithali Thakuria in categorical terms opined that it was not a fit case to quash the criminal proceeding as well as the FIR and the charge sheet against the accused even if both parties entered into a settlement agreement. The court also took into account the possible existence of compulsion on the parents of the victim to compromise the matter as both the petitioners are siblings. The court said that the father being the parent of both the petitioners may be insisting the victim to compromise the matter for the sake of reputation of the family. Thank you for joining us. If you wish to know more details about the cases I mentioned here, you can visit our website at www.livelaw.in. Stay ahead with quick legal updates only on Live Law. Do not forget to like, share and subscribe and support us. You can also support us by donating through the thanks button at the bottom of our videos or consider becoming a member at just 89 rupees per month.